Welcome to the e-commerce mindset show with your host, Leron Hirschkorn. I just finished recording uh, a talk with Steven Selikoff, who just wrote a book, and it's all about getting your products into retail as well as creating unique products. I think there's a lot of uh, nuggets and uh lessons that you can extrapolate from this uh, interview. So hope you enjoy the interview with Steven Selikoff uh, brought to you by my sponsored ads agency. If you want to grow your sales on Amazon using the power of Amazon advertising, we're also now offering uh, Amazon DSP management. Uh, reach out to me, Liron at incrementumdigital.com and enjoy episode 14 of the e-commerce mindset podcast. Okay, so I'm here with uh, Steven Selikoff. Um, actually, already had a little bit of a uh, of a good pre chat before we hit the uh, the record button. Um, so the reason why I asked Steve to be uh, on the show is um, Stephen has has been a, a serial entrep- entrepreneur in the e commerce space, um, but also has put out um, a book um, right now. So the book is called. The complete book of product design, development, manufacturing, and sales. Um, and Stephen's been a, a serial entrepreneur. He sold products online. He sold products in catalogs and to retailers all over the world. Uh, he's very passionate about developing products that make money, as well as teaching other entrepreneurs how to do the same. Um, and Stephen's been doing this a while, um, selling directly to retailers uh, since 2001 and developing products in China. Uh, since 2005, um, doing work with uh, Microsoft, uh, leading up uh, billion-dollar divisions. He's taught uh, on negotiation, uh, lean validation, Chinese manufacturing, on a lot of different subjects. Also has a program called the Product Development Academy. Uh, And um, welcome to the show, Stephen. Thank you so much. It is great chatting with you, Liram, and I just, I am, I'm psyched that we can do this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Technology is a wonderful thing. So um, welcome to the podcast. So um, you just put out this book, The Complete Book, Product Design, Development, Manufacturing, and Sales. Um, What do you really hope that people are able to take away from this book? I've been doing this for a long time and I've been very lucky to get a lot of advice and guidance from, from all sorts of people. Some of them are very big names and worked on very big projects. And uh, in the Amazon world, and I started on FBA 2006, about 30 days after it was launched. In the Amazon world, a lot of people um, really understand the ability to, to recognize hot selling products and be able to, to leverage that. But what I learned was how to do this with unique products. So it's, it is another path to success on Amazon. And I realized that a lot of people don't have the knowledge and, and, and the experience that I just take for granted. Silly me, I should not have been taking it for granted. Um, so about a year ago, a uh, former partner and I started teaching this to people and the feedback we got was, was incredible. So uh, we now have two different programs and I wanted to move forward with this and there was no way that I could, I could present to everyone who has questions. So I sat down and I started writing topic by topic by topic 
and like the old saying, not seeing the forest for the trees. Mm -hmm. uh, when I got to, uh, well, I don't want to say the end of my list because my list kept on going, but when I got to the point where I had written enough topics, I said, let's see how big this thing is. And it's 514 pages long. Mm -hmm. uh, so it is, it's huge. And there's all sorts of, of little things in here that, that often are not talked about um, uh, as you focus on, on Amazon and so on. There's all sorts of information about getting into retailers. There's all sorts of tools for, for qualifying um, products that are not already existent because there are obviously there's, there's no tools to do that with. Mm -hmm. um, also, even things like how to manage your factory remotely, which is even more important during days like this and, uh, and COVID-19. So uh, long answer to a short question. Yeah, so, so let's jump into uh, a couple questions there on, on things that you, you just brought up. Um, if I am looking to get my e-commerce career launched, or if I'm looking to get my next product launched, should I go the route of looking at data, seeing what products are selling well on Amazon, seeing where there's room between the keyword demand and you know supply, how it can maybe improve something, and launch, or would you recommend a different approach to saying, I'm gonna bring a product that doesn't even exist, maybe it does still answer a keyword demand that somebody is searching for, um, and, if, and, then, and then how do I you know, go about doing that, or, or is that something I should consider if I'm new, and what, do I have a better chance of success by not sort of following the herd mentality of you know, Amazon, uh, typical Amazon uh, products? I think the, uh... The herd mentality is there because it works. Mm -hmm. um, now, over the last, well, probably since 2015, uh, it's really gotten very, very crowded. And lots of times people will find that things are oversaturated and so on. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of work to dig down deep and find those hidden gems, but they do exist. Um, in my experience, it takes just as much work to uh, to launch something that's new. Now, my, my feeling as a business is that Amazon is fabulous and it is just one of many channels uh, to sell products. And these days, that entire environment is changing and growing even more. So if you want to um, uh, expand off of Amazon and into retailers, you'll have a better chance to do so with unique products. If you want to launch a product on Amazon that doesn't have a lot of competition, you'll do better with, um, with unique products. But the risk is also higher with, with unique products. So if you're not comfortable with risk, then certainly don't use that as, as part of your overall strategy. Um, what's an example of a, of a unique product? Um, you know, can you, can you walk us through? I mean, is it, is it, an add-on to an existing product is is it something totally new and and that's why it's more risky like what is what would be an example of a unique product all right so um i'll give you one that uh, i launched a few years back that um uh, was the first product i had that got us on uh, the today show and uh, bear with me as i go through this story my, my wife my ex-wife uh was disabled and we got a service dog, and this little dog changed her life. The first night we climbed into bed, 
Uh, she climbed into bed, I climbed into bed, and then our little dog, Gabby, climbed into bed, at which point my wife moved over, and Gabby stretched out her little body, took over half the bed. I was squished all the way to the edge, and when I, I wanted to say something, I, I looked at her and I got the look, and, and anyone who's been married knows what the look is. Mm -hmm. uh, so I shut up. But I have a tendency to go through life laughing at things, um, at the time, I was uh, working at Microsoft. I was a global business manager. I had people all over the, the world that I was friends with and working with. So um, I had walked into a flower store. I saw pillowcases that said his side and her side. And I asked them, do you have any uh, pillowcases that say the dog side? And they laughed and they said, no, but if we did, we'd sell a million of them. Mm -hmm. Well, that was a light bulb moment. Right. I, uh, I got a hold of... Uh, of my friends in China. I had already done a number of products there, but I thought this could be really a lot of fun. And uh, worked all night uh, by four o'clock in the morning here in Seattle. I had my entire business plan worked out. I had uh, a factory already that was ready to be vetted and so on, and put together some designs. Now, pillowcases are not new. They are not an invention, but right. I, uh, I put little printed designs on the pillowcases. I treated each pair of pillowcases like a two-panel cartoon. And uh, the first ones we came out with split the bed in half. One half says, the dog sleeps here. The other half says, the wife sleeps here. Mm -hmm. And then squished all the way into the corner with jumbled up font, it says, the husband sleeps here. Mm -hmm. And that was hilarious. We actually had a total of six designs, brought it back to that flower shop. Um, which who I've gone to along the way and asked for their feedback. Uh, they brought it to what's called a trunk show and sold out of everything. Asked me if I had more. I brought the rest of the samples to them. They sold those out in another day, and I knew I had a hit. Mm -hmm. uh, now, there are inventions. There are things that people have never seen before. I've, I've got clients that are doing things that are absolutely incredible. I had one that was just... Uh, written up in a news article that's creating a product for children with anxiety uh, just blows me away. And I've got other clients who are taking things that are um, more commonplace, modifying them, putting them into a collection that creates a, uh, an experience at, 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 with everything in this box. Um, in fact, I've, no, we haven't come up with a product name yet or a, excuse me, a brand name yet, but the product itself would probably be best called an experience in the box. And yet nothing in it is a new invention. Mm -hmm. What is new in each one of these cases is that it is something that customers have not seen before, either online or on a store shelf. And that's what makes it unique. Got it. So the unique, right. So the unique experience, you can still leverage people searching for, you know, dog pill or, you know, for pillows or uh, gifts for pet lovers or, or whatever. But so there, there's still that demand around something or an audience, but what you're doing is, and you're not necessarily inventing, but you are, like you said, you're bringing something to life that nobody else has brought to life before. Um, Absolutely. Right. And so, and so are, are all these types of things, things that you do and should protect in some kind of way? I mean, this design, um, do you, do you go out and get a, a copyright on the, on the design? Do you look at, uh, patents? I, I imagine this is all, uh, 
topics you cover you cover in the book how how far should you go because you know you go and create this thing you don't really know if it's going to take off or not um imagine you have some time to you know to patent but but is a design on a pillow like that is generally not patentable probably are you copywriting it um and is that really enough or do you just expect that yeah you'll have some people who do variations and knock it off in some kind of way and that's just part of the game yeah, it's, it's a combination of all of that. You try to protect yourself the best way possible. Um, certain things can be patented, certain, whether it's a design patent or a utility patent. Certain things can be um, uh, uh, protected by copyright. Uh, as we were talking earlier, uh, years ago, I was a fashion photographer, and mm -hmm. I had uh, some photos that I did um, that were then used by a major one of the top 50 corporations um, in the US. Mm -hmm. And I got a, uh, an attorney who called them up and said, this is copyright infringement. And it was pretty well settled out. So even, you know, unintentionally, people can right. copy what you do and, and so on. But um, copyright is very easy to do. Patent is a little bit more difficult. Um, of course, you want to trademark your, your brand name. And if I can Take this all a step further. You absolutely want to trademark in China as well if you're producing in China. There's more and more trademark squatting going on, and that's where once you start selling uh, some significant amount, someone in the factory or even the factory owner themselves uh, will go and get the trademark in China and then hold up your products. They can't be exported because you don't own the trademark for that. Mm. Um, Dan Harris, who's local to me here in Seattle and runs, writes the China Law Block, um, was wonderful in talking to our group and, and giving all sorts of uh, suggestions and advice on that. You also want to get an NNN, which is a non-compete, non-excuse me, non-compete, non-disclosed, non-circumvent um, uh, agreement in China, and you want to have it properly drawn up by a proper attorney, um, and then. Lastly, when you're when you have a unique product and you're starting to source it, because what you're doing, even if it's just a concept at that point, is a trade secret. Um, you want to source based on a decoy product, not on your actual product, because you want to look at candidate suppliers, but you don't want the ones that you decline to say, "Wow, that was a great idea. Let me go out and, and do it myself." Mm -hmm. So, so meaning like you would get this design on some, on printed on something else other than that pillowcase just to. Well, let's say that um, I'm doing a, um, a Bluetooth speaker for a bookshelf that looks like a book mm -hmm. and that's my design and that's my secret is that it looks like a book and it fits right in with the other books. I wouldn't source um, a Bluetooth speaker that looks like a book. I would, um, excuse me. I would make sure that I have all of my electrical requirements specified, but the uniqueness of the housing, I would look for something else that's a similar shape and a similar size. So um, a coffin, perhaps. Um, and I would look for a little coffin-shaped Bluetooth speaker that's about the same size as a book on a bookshelf and find my suppliers based on that and explain to them that this is just a decoy so I can compare supplier to supplier and if uh, uh, everything looks good we'll have an NNN we can go into the details uh, because once you get to that point and you have a factory 
um, and you know that they have, you know, they, they're responsive to you, they've got the right prices, that they're willing to work with you on payment terms, that they've got the capacity, they've passed an audit, um, you still want to go through what's called design for manufacturing. So you're going to do that anyway. So at that point, you're going to need the details and, and that's when you can, you can share them. But until that point, there's no reason to, to share the details. And, and really quick, coming back to your last point really quickly, if you are first to market with something, other people try to copy it, you will always, you have the ability to, to focus on, on your own product, not the competition. It's what Peter Thiel calls a monopoly of one. So you can focus on your product, listen to your customers, know what your version two of your product is going to be, and start working on that. And by the time you're ready to launch with version two, the copycats are going to be out there copying version one. Right. So you don't have to worry about them. You're already six feet down the road. Right. And if you're on Amazon or e-commerce, then you also have the advantage of uh, you know, being sort of first in terms of the reviews and the quantity. And that, that gives you some headway, at least. Maybe, maybe you have a six-month runway before your competition gets there. And that's definitely uh, helpful also. Um, so um, you talk about getting into, into retail. So at, at which point, I mean, if you're starting out and you're, sh should you develop a product just for retail? Uh, would, you, would you ever say that you should develop something, not go the, you know, sort of the Amazon way or, or your own website and just try to develop a product for retail? Or do you need, or is that, uh, validation of sales online going to be helpful for the buyers in retail to say, oh, this product is selling, uh, it's got good reviews. Um, should your path always be e-com then retail? Going through e-com and Amazon is a great way of, uh, of showing traction. Mm -hmm. um, but as you said, um, you know, six months down the road, there might be people who copy it. Uh, you and I have both been to the Canton Fair. When I walk into a booth and I start looking, um, I immediately, in my mind, I think of two things. Number one, uh, can this make a, a, a 7x or a 10x multiplier at minimum? And two, in my mind, I visualize it on a store shelf, packaged you mean, up. You mean 7x, even. 7x or 10x in, 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 uh, in retail price? Right. So the, the multiplier would be, uh, for simplicity, say 10x. Uh, if you if it's selling on a store shelf for uh, 19.99, then look for look to uh, to be able to manufacture and purchase it for two dollars or less. Mm. So, and that's um, for that's for particularly for retail because you have the additional sort of middleman there. It's for retail because there's that middleman, but frankly, in the last um, four years, it applies even more to Amazon as well. Now that Amazon has has made PPC so integral to success of a product. Right. Um, when you do your numbers, it's not as it's not as profitable as it was back in 2006 and 2007 and, and so on. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Amazon is uh, very much gone. So I have uh, an Amazon ads agency and it's very much pay to play. You know, it used to be four results on page one with sponsored. Now it's like ten plus, and uh, all all the top all the top results are either sponsored or sometimes Amazon's own private label. There's a lot of uh, controversy right now around Amazon putting their products uh, first and antitrust in in Europe and a lot of stuff happening there. So yeah, definitely, absolutely, you are spot on. 
so you need, so you really, you know, I started 2014, you started years before that. Um, <laughs> you, you could have, you, you know, at that time, you could have put a product up and, you know, PPC was like an optional add-on. Now, I've got to tell you, back when I started, they gave you a free website as well, mm. um, which was a lot of fun. It was, it, it's, uh, but it makes me feel old to say that now. <laughs> uh, yeah, back when Amazon linked out to like Toys R Us and, uh, right, like uh, many, 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 many years ago. Um, so, so is going, is going to retail something, you know, how big do you need to be to consider to, to go to, to go to, to retail? There's, um, a lot of components in terms of going to retail. Obviously you need to manufacture, you might need purchase order financing. Um, you know, you just launched a product on Amazon. Let's say you launch a product on Amazon. You're seeing some success with it. It's got something unique. Uh, is that now the time to say, mm, let me see if I can, you know, get this into Costco. So Costco, is much further down the road mm -hmm. uh, for a few reasons. Uh, number one is uh, big box stores in general are further yep. down the road. Right. Costco itself, you really have to understand Costco. I'm lucky that one of the mentors in my course is known as Mr. Costco. He's got hundreds of people into to Costco and so on. So uh, through him, I've heard so many Costco stories, particularly the fact that Costco um, is looking for value and you can't really show value unless you're in other retailers first or, or on, uh, on Amazon to have a comparison. Right. But you don't have to do, you don't have to start with, um, with large retailers. Uh, you don't have to worry about the PO financing and so on. Uh, anyone with an interesting and compelling product can sell to uh, specialty stores and independent retailers, and there's a lot of money to be made there. So just like uh, just like the store that you were working with, right on the pillow. Yeah, that's a flower shop. Yeah, flower um, shop. Yeah, that was that's a that's a perfect example. A flower shop, um, a camera store, a hardware store, an automotive parts store, a gift store, a resort store, um, bookstore. Any one of these independents. Um, the independently owned um, Hallmark stores. They can sell off of their glass shelves. So all of these stores are looking for something interesting that will bring people into the store. It's a different shopping experience. When someone goes into um, Walmart or Target or Home Depot, they often have a shopping list and the store is, is laid out. The shelves are are, are the products are put on the shelves in a specific way because they want you to stray from that shopping list. They want you to put more things into that, uh, that right. cart that you have than, um, than you were planning on. On the other hand, independence and specialty stores, it's the other way around. People go in with the expectation that they're going to walk up and down the aisles, look at the shelves, find right. a treasure. Um, which means if you're a new product, they're looking for you. If you're something that their competitors down the street don't have, then their customers will be happy. And oftentimes, if you have something different on, um, on Amazon, uh, it doesn't have to be groundbreaking, but you could get a start in local um, uh, specialty stores. Now, the great thing about specialty stores is, um, or all of retail, in fact, is that they don't buy single units. They buy by case pack. So when Amazon, you do your shipping order for Amazon, they ask about a MasterCard, and 
there's a master carton and an inner carton. So that master carton may have 24 pieces and that the inner carton has six per inner carton. And that's what you sell to retailers. You sell six at a time, which means no one has to open up a box and take something out. There is no pick and pack. Um, right. And then if you have variations, let's say baby blankets, I'll use Greg Mercer's million dollar case study here. Um, so let's say you have baby blankets in uh, pink, blue, and yellow. The retailer's not gonna just say, oh, let me only put pink ones up on the shelf. Right. They're gonna put up pink, blue, and yellow. So that one sale equals 18 blankets. Mm -hmm. And if their customers come in and buy them, uh, perhaps you know, four weeks later, they have to reorder. So that's another 18. Uh, doing the math real fast, let's say you sell your baby blankets for $10. One sale is $10 on Amazon. But just going into a, um, uh, a specialty store, that's 18. They're going to keystone it, so they're paying half. That's right. $5 times 18. That's $90 on a single sale. And if they reorder every month, um, not even thinking about Christmas time, that's $1,080 in your pocket from a single sale. Right. right. And expanding that out to 100 retailers is really easy. So now you're looking at, you know, $100,000 from three simple little baby blankets. If you, uh, uh, my nephew just, uh, just told me that uh, he and his wife are having a baby. I'm really excited. And I made a joke and I said, is the baby going to be called, called Quarantina? Well, there's going to be a bunch of quarantine babies born. If you could figure out a baby blanket that makes some, you know, fun cuteness out of that. Right. Well, then suddenly it's easy to sell. It's easy to sell to, to all of these um, uh, independent retailers. And here's the great thing. Independent retailers pay up front. They even pay for shipping. Right. So it's all money in your pocket after the cost of your, your so, product. So Stephen, are we developing, are we developing the produced in quarantine uh, baby blanket? I love it. I love it. Let's go into business right now. <laughs> Let's do it. It's going to say produced in quarantine wrapped around the baby. Um, so, so uh, is the best way to get to these independent retailers through exhibiting at trade shows? Um, what's, you know, obviously you had kind of a relationship with a shop. I'm, I'm sure there's some kind of like, you know, sort of like hit the pavement uh, you might be able to do during times when stores are actually open. Um, but is, is the best way to get, to get, to get, uh, these orders by exhibiting at trade shows or are there other ways that are maybe I wouldn't necessarily think about, but are kind of easy ways to, to get these sales? Yeah. So for, uh, let's break it down into specialty and independent stores and then big box retailers. So big box retailers is more difficult and it takes more time, but they have one person that makes a purchasing decision uh, remotely corporate headquarters for a hundred, a thousand, 8,000 stores. Um, and because it's a corporation, they have to then get the, uh, the decision approved from above. Um, do you have to have purchase orders? Those purchase orders could take um, 60 to 90 days to pay. But at the same time, you have, uh, you'll, you'll actually have a time. They make and make a decision in January, and you're not going to go onto their shelves until June. So you right. get to make inventory and everything else. The reality is with those types of orders, it changes your life overnight. Mm -hmm. um, it's not unheard of to go to sleep and wake up to a million and a half dollars worth of purchase orders. Um, retail, small and 
um, uh, independent retailers, it's a completely different story. That decision maker is right there in the store. So you have to meet with a lot of decision makers or get your product in front of a lot of decision makers. Um, but that process then becomes easier if they say, hey, I want it, they can buy it right away. And there are some really great ways, easy ways of getting in front of the decision maker, no matter where you are in the world. So number one, as you mentioned, there are the shows, there are the trade shows, there's the Global Pet Expo and Super Zoo mm -hmm. for pets, uh, used to be the backer show. There is the, um, the toy show in New York. There's the East and West food shows. And then the big ones are the gift shows in um, Las Vegas and in Atlanta. There are others, Dallas and so on, but they're much smaller. Those are the shows that Laura Grenier talks about on Shark Tank. And they don't, they sell more than gifts. They sell bags, apparels, toys, all sorts of things. So you get into a, um, a show like that and um, you can either get into a showroom or a temporary exhibit, but let's say you get into a showroom, you've got hundreds of thousands of people coming from all over the world, coming up, seeing your product. And this is the great part, being in a showroom, you have an entire sales staff that's selling your product to these retailers. Um, now, I, I love talking about this. When the shows are over and they occur twice a year, that same sales staff goes out to their regions with a portfolio of products and they go visit stores and they have to revisit the stores every 30 days. So once you get into a showroom like that, these salespeople have your product in their portfolio they're going out, they're, they're seeing store owners, they're saying, hey, we've got this great, new, exciting, produced in quarantine baby blanket, uh, you need it for your customers. And, uh, and 30 days later, they come back and say, how did that sell? Do you want some more? Uh, it didn't sell so well, let's work together to merchandise it, display it better so people can see how funny it is. Oh, it sold well, let's do that. By the way, my manufacturer has some other stuff you might be interested in. Right. And so and, you're talking about the concept of going through a, like a sales rep, right? Or a manufacturer's rep. Exactly. Uh, they become your manufacturer's rep, your sales rep um, to independent mom and pops and stores. So very quickly, I had, um, uh, with those pillowcases, in fact, um, we had a hundred, I think we had 101 because it was pretty exciting that day we went to triple digits. But it was great because every day there were people out there working and selling these. And, and I will uh, confess, at the time I was at Microsoft in a really do nothing job. <laughs> I constantly was checking my own computer and seeing all of these uh, uh, orders come through from people around selling my products on my behalf. So that way you can make a lot of money. And then lastly, again, in the world of, uh, of small retailers, there are online sites that the retailers go to that are just Wholesale, so it's only people selling to retailers. So is that um, like and, uh, range me? Well, that's that was going to be the next thing I say. Um, so for um, uh, um, large retailers, it's range me. Mm -hmm. uh, for big box stores, it's range me. But there are similar type sites for small retailers as well. So in both cases, you can post yourself online um, and and let retailers come to you. 
And and so that that's all uh, great. And and I guess the advice is, um, if you're just starting out, that's a great place to start without the long sales cycle and the pressure of you know giving terms to big box and just the whole um, I guess sort of bigger headache of trying to get into big box stores instead of trying to first see or get your product into uh, smaller stores. Um, what about the risks of, of retail? You hear sometimes these horror stories like I sold my product to Walmart and it was great. And then in year two, they came and they wanted, you know, 20% reduction or, you know, they said, we're not buying the product unless you give us this price. And now I hired all these people on my business or, you know, um, incurred all these costs because I have Walmart as a customer and took on a warehouse and all this stuff. And now I'm kind of in a tough situation because I'm being bullied by this, you know, giant company that I'm relying, uh, you know, for my sales through them. Uh, is that a valid concern? There are lots of stories and a lot of them are, are just more myth than uh -huh. story. Um, so first thing that happens when you get into big box stores is there is a lot of paperwork and you need to read through it all. If you can't, if you don't understand it, if you're confused, have a consultant, just like when you're closing on a house, have an attorney there. You need to understand it all. Um, because when problems do occur, it's because people get excited and they say, Oh, let me sign this without understanding what it is that they're signing. Right. So once you're in with with walmart and so on or if you're in with uh, bed bath and beyond and, and there's a great example that goes directly to what you're saying when you sign with bed bath and beyond they will tell you right there that they they want a um a, a discount when they do over a million dollars of purchase orders mm -hmm. so you know from the beginning what that's going to be you know what their promotions are going to be you know what their program costs are going to be um and you need to work that into your, your pricing and your scaling right from the beginning. But none of it is, uh, is a surprise. So um, you shouldn't be, taken, uh, shouldn't be taken aback by that. That being said, you know, I know someone who was on Shark Tank who uh, got into Bed Bath & Beyond and didn't read the, the contracts. And uh, as we called it, he succeeded himself into bankruptcy. He, he, did, he did very well, but he didn't read his, his forms. The other aspect of that, and it goes all the way back to what we were talking about at Canton Fair, you want to make sure that you have at least a 7x, if not a 10x multiplier, because you want to be able to, to, be able to handle all of these uh, financial challenges that come. And they say, hey, uh, if you're, we're going to do over a million dollars, if we're going to do more than um, when you're at a million dollars, you're looking at volumes where you can have a good discussion with your factory about bringing the prices down and so on. Uh, but you've got to, you've got to know about that upfront to have those discussions. Right. Um, makes, makes sense. So, um, I know in the book you cover, uh, validating, uh, a product. Um, you talk about the, uh, the Porsche Cayenne. Um, oh, I love that story. Can you, can, you, can you share the story of the Porsche kind? Yeah, yeah. So Porsche uh, in 2003 uh, started development on the Cayenne, and they knew that um, just as a, a 
normal, or in this case, a sports car vehicle company alone, that they were losing market share, that the U.S. trends were going towards larger vehicles, SUVs. And they put together um, a number of their existing customers, their target customers, their passionate fans, and every major decision that they made on the Cayenne, they first put in front of their customers and they asked two things. Would you, do you want this and would you pay for it? And if the customers did not say, yes, uh, we want this and yes, we'll pay for it, uh, it didn't go in. So the, uh, the stories go that they asked about cup holders and the customers said, we want more cup holders and they have to be bigger. Porsche did that. They asked about their famous six-speed transmission, and the customers said, well, we really don't care about that, which the engineers got all upset about. Um, the press got upset. My, my brother, who's a, a car aficionado, he even heard about this. Uh, people really passionate about it, but the customers said no, it was not important, so they didn't include it. And they did this process for every major element of the SUV. In 10 years after its launch, the Cayenne is the number one category leader and accounts for more than half of the entire revenue of the company. Hmm. Blew away all expectations. And so validation, hearing from your customer that they want your product. If, if you're coming out with, um, uh, Steve Martin used to make a joke about a fur-lined sink. If you're coming on with a fur-lined sink and nobody wants it, you're not going to sell it. That might be the best one in the world. Nobody's going to buy it. Right. If you come out with something that um, a can opener that also includes a jar gripper opener at the same time, um, suddenly you've got something that people find useful, they're going to want to buy it. And if you have a question about it saying, you know, this is what size is it? What size should I do for your hand? Should the can opener go from the top or from the side? And I'm just making this up as I'm talking. But everything that you do, you put in front of and, customers. And if we bundle that with the quarantine baby blanket, then forget about it. It's going to be. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if customers would approve that combination. <laughs> um, so, um, so that's the the, the Porsche kind story. So. As an e-commerce seller, particularly as an Amazon seller, um, any any sort of tips? I mean, would you say the best way to do that is using, you know, some kind of insert to maybe some kind of incentivized survey uh, on, you know, feedback on your product? Like, what's the best way, especially with Amazon, with them not giving you really uh, a real way to kind of reach or send links to the customer? to survey uh, or is that something you should have been, you know, how would you do that if you want to launch on Amazon? I know, I know in the book you cover PicFu, for example. Yeah, uh, PicFu is great. We, I think that, that uh, we'll touch on that for a second. I think a lot of people know about PicFu. I do want to give everyone an awareness because I love PicFu. Mm -hmm. um, they do have an option of saving five bucks and letting your poll go public. Please don't do that because mm -hmm. there are, gurus out there telling people to look at PicFu, look at these polls. And yeah, there, there, there's a link. There's a link where you can see all those public and past. Uh, yeah, so, which yeah. is great for learning how to use it, but you don't want to be out there yourself. So PicFu is always great. Um, also, build a community. Uh, build a community of people who um, 
are having babies, people who would be buying the, the quarantine baby blankets. Because you don't only need to hear from your current customers, you want to hear from potential customers. Right. Uh, so that community doesn't have, if you have a brand and you're able to build a community, absolutely, 100%, you've got to do that. But if you don't have a community around your brand, you can still access people who would be buying your product, your customer avatar, and start getting their feedback. And then not only on the product, because um, if you make a change in the design, you suddenly realize that uh, it's going to be uh, less expensive if your teddy bear only has um, you know, half the stuffing that was going to be in there then um, uh, you want to validate that, uh, that change as well. So uh, any significant change you want to put in front of customers, potential customers. I can't tell you how many times I have been chased out of parking lots at, at Walmart, uh, even a, a private club that I've, I've been to. I've had prototype illustrations made, shown to people, and get their feedback um, and uh, make changes on it based on customers. Now, one caveat in all of this is your mother, your spouse, your kids, your friends, they all love you. None of them are going to give you unbiased response. They're either going to say they love it because they love you, or they're going to say don't do it because they love you and they don't want you to take a risk. So always, always validate with strangers. Uh, yes, uh, that's great. Uh, great advice. People who are going to give you kind of uh, unbiased, the truth, real, real advice and uh, feedback, which is what you really need to develop or, or improve uh, a product. Um, so awesome. So the, the book really, um, the book again is called The Complete Book of Product Design Development, Manufacturing and Sales. Um, I know that uh, I was able to get a uh, free version. Um, it's on, it's on Kindle, but I think you're doing like monthly. Uh, yes, so it's once a month it's free. Yep. It's, it's a paperback for people who like to write notes in the margins. And, uh, it's also on Kindle. And then, uh, the 12th of every month, um, there's a free Kindle download day. So, uh, enjoy it, download it. And, um, uh, that's a great opportunity to, to, see some of the you know what we've been talking about today yes and and then for those who want to go further maybe they get the book um and and read it and kind of want to go further you also uh you also have uh, a master class that talks about getting your product into not 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 just amazon but uh brick and mortar right it's a uh, um we do have a master class program at and it's focused on unique products. So um, I was talking to someone last night who's, uh, who's looking at an FBA program and uh, she said, well, should, should I do your program or the FD, FBA program? And, and I laughed, I said, okay, I, I didn't do a good job communicating my part. It's not an either or, uh, there are two paths um, and they both lead, uh, if you do it well, if you're committed and you put in, um, uh, the hard work, they both lead to, to really good rewards. So uh, people who want to take the path of unique products, see what that's like. And I have friends who are um, uh, sponsored by, by, by most of the research tools um, who also do unique products as well. Um, and if that's what you want to add to your portfolio, we would love to teach you how to do that and, uh, and come join the program um, because well, just like 
stocks, you definitely want to have some variety in there um, and a good mix um, uh, of both unique products and uh, um, uh, established products, both online and e-commerce. And I think that e-commerce world is going to definitely expand a lot over the next six months. Um, and uh, retailers from small to large. That's, if you take this seriously, you want to make a living, that can build you a legacy that you can pass on to your kids. Uh, awesome. So that's uh, productdevelopmentacademy.com for information about that. Um, and uh, yeah, check out the book um, from Stephen. Stephen will also, uh, I think has just joined our Facebook group, E-Commerce Mindset. Uh, feel free to Probably I'm, I'm saying this out of school, but feel free to tag him uh, with any questions. And uh, I imagine that uh, if he sees it, he'll, um, he'll participate in the, in the discussion. Um, so thank you so much for, uh, for coming on, for, for uh, sharing. And uh, I encourage you to go uh, get the book and learn about creating unique products for either retail or e-commerce. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you, Liren. Thank you for listening to another episode of the e-commerce mindset show. Join our Facebook group, e-commerce mindset, write a review for us on iTunes or Spotify. If you enjoyed the episode or share it with a friend or on social media, I'll see you on the next episode of the e-commerce mindset podcast.